Section 20 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Stolen Plowshares Once upon a time, while Brahmadatta was king of Benares, the Bodhisatta came into this world as the son of one of the king's court. When he grew up, he was made a Lord Justice. At that time, two traders, one from a village and one of the town, were friends together. The villager deposited with the townsmen five hundred plowshares. The other sold these and kept the price, and in the place where they were he scattered mouse-dung. By and by came the villager and asked for his plowshare. "'The mice have eaten them up,' said the cheat, and pointed out the mouse-dung to him. "'Well, so be it,' replied the other. "'What can be done with things which the mice have eaten?' Now, at the time of bathing, he took the other trader's son, and set him in a friend's house in an inner chamber, bidding them not suffer him to go out any whither. And having washed himself, he went to his friend's house. "'Where's my son?' asked the cheat. "'Dear friend,' he replied, "'I took him with me and left him on the riverside, and when I was gone down into the river, there came an osprey, and seized your son in his extended claws, and flew up into the air.' I beat the water, shouted, struggled, but could not make him let go. "'Lies!' cried the rogue. "'No osprey can carry off a boy. "'Let be, dear friend. "'If things happen that should not, how can I help it? "'Your son has been carried off by an osprey, as I say.' The other reviled him. "'Ah, you scoundrel! You murderer! "'Now I will go to the judge and have you dragged before him!' And he departed." The villager said, "'As you please,' and went to the court of justice. The rogue addressed the bodhisatta thus, "'My lord, this fellow took my son with him to bathe, and when I asked where he was, he answered that an osprey had carried him off. Judge my cause.' "'Tell the truth,' said the bodhisatta, asking the other. "'Indeed, my lord,' he answered. "'I took him with me, and a hawk has carried him off.' "'But where in the world are there ospreys which carry off boys?' "'My lord,' he answered, "'I have a question to ask you. "'If ospreys cannot carry off boys into the air, "'can mice eat iron plowshares?' "'What do you mean by that?' "'My lord, I deposited in this man's house five hundred plowshares. "'The man told me that the mice had devoured them, "'and showed me the droppings of the mice that had done it. "'My lord, if mice eat plowshares,' then ospreys carry off boys. But if mice cannot do this, neither will hawks carry the boys off. This man says the mice ate my plowshares. Give sentence where they are eaten or no. Judge my cause. He must have meant, thought the bodhisatta, to fight the trickster with his own weapons. Well devised, said he, and then he uttered these two verses. Well planned indeed, the biter bit, the trickster tricked, a pretty hit. If mice can eat a plowshare, why, ospreys away with boys can fly. A rogue outrogued with tit for tat, give back the plow, and after that, perhaps the man who lost the plow may give your son back to you now. Thus he that had lost his son received him again, and he received his plowshares that had lost it, and afterwards both passed away to fare according to their deeds. THE HERO'S TASKS Once upon a time reigned at Benares a king named Yasapani the Glorious. His chief captain was named Kalika, or Blackie. 
At that time the Bodhisattva was his family priest, and had the name of Damadaja, the banner of the faith. There was also a man, Chattapani, maker of ornaments to the king. The king was a good king, but his chief captain swallowed bribes in the judging of causes. He was a backbiter. He took bribes and defrauded the rightful owners. On a day, one who had lost his suit was departing from the court, weeping and stretching out his arms, when he fell in with the Bodhisatta as he was going to pay his service to the king. Falling at his feet, the man cried out, telling how he had been worsted in his cause. "'Although such as you, my lord, instruct the king in things of this world and the next, the commander-in-chief takes bribes and defrauds rightful owners.' The Bodhisatta pitied him. "'Come, my good fellow,' said he, "'I will judge your cause for you.' And he proceeded to the courthouse. A great company gathered together. The Bodhisatta reversed the sentence and gave judgment for him that had the right. The spectators applauded. The sound was great. The king heard it and asked, "'What sound is this I hear?' "'My lord king,' they answered, "'it is a cause wrongly judged that has been judged aright by the wise Damadaja. That is why there is this shout of applause.' The king was pleased and sent for the Bodhisatta. "'They tell me,' he began, "'that you have judged a cause.' "'Yes, great king, I have judged that which Kalika did not judge aright.' "'Be you judge from this day,' said the king. "'It will be a joy for my ears and prosperity for the world.' He was unwilling, but the king begged him. "'In mercy to all creatures sit you in judgment.' And so the king won his consent. From that time Kalika received no presents, and losing his gains he spoke calumny of the Bodhisatta before the king, saying, O oh, mighty king, the wise Damadaja covets your kingdom. But the king would not believe, and bade him say not so. If you do not believe me, said Kalika, look out of the window at the time of his coming. Then you will see that he has got the whole city into his own hands. The king saw the crowd of those that were about him in his judgment hall. There is his retinue, thought he. He gave way. "'What are we to do, Captain?' he asked. "'My lord, he must be put to death.' "'How can we put him to death without having found him out in some great wickedness?' "'There is a way,' said the other. "'What way?' "'Tell him to do what is impossible, and if he cannot, put him to death for that.' "'But what is impossible to him?' "'My lord king,' replied he, "'it takes two years, or twice two, "'for a garden with good soil to bear fruit, "'being planted and tended. "'Send for him and say, "'We want a garden to disport ourselves in to-morrow. "'Make us a garden. "'This he will not be able to do, "'and we will slay him for that fault.' "'The king addressed himself to the Bodhisattva.' "'Wise sir, we have sported long enough in our old garden. "'Now we crave to sport in a new. "'We shall sport to-morrow. Make us a garden. "'If you cannot make it, you must die.' "'The Bodhisatta reasoned. "'It must be that Kalika has set the king against me, "'because he gets no presents. "'If I can,' he said to the king, "'O mighty king, I will see to it.' "'And he went home.' 
After a good meal he lay upon his bed, thinking. Sokka's place grew hot. Sokka, reflecting, perceived the Bodhisattva's difficulty. He made haste to him, entered his chamber, and asked him, "'Why, sir, what think you on?' poised the while in mid-air. "'Who are you?' asked the Bodhisattva. "'I am Sokka.' The king bids me make a garden. That is what I am thinking upon. Why, sir, do not trouble. I will make you a garden like the groves of Nandana and Sitalata. In what place shall I make it? In such and such a place, he told him. Sokka made it and returned to the city of the gods. Next day the Bodhisatta beheld the garden there in very truth and sought the king's presence. O king, garden is ready, go to your sport. The king came to the place and beheld a garden girt with a fence of eighteen cubits, vermilion-tinted, having gates and ponds, beautiful with all manner of trees, laden heavy with flowers and fruit. The sage has done my bidding, said he to Kalaka. Now what are we to do? O mighty king, replied he, if he can make a garden in one night, can he not seize upon your kingdom? Well, what are we to do? We will make him perform another impossible thing. What is that? asked the king. We will bid him make a lake possessed of seven precious jewels. The king agreed, and thus addressed the Bodhisatta. Teacher, you have made a park. Make now a lake to match it, with the seven precious jewels. If you cannot make it, you shall not live. Very good, great king, answered the Bodhisatta. I will make it, if I can. Then Sokka made a lake of great splendor, having a hundred landing places, a thousand inlets, covered over with lotus plants of five different colors, like the lake in Nandana. Next day the Bodhisatta beheld this also, and told the king, "'See, the lake is made.' And the king saw it, and asked of Kalika what was to be done. "'Bid him, my lord, make a house to suit it,' said he. "'Make a house, teacher,' said the king to the Bodhisatta, "'all of ivory, to suit with the park and the lake. If you do not make it, you must die.' The Saka made him a house likewise." The Bodhisatta beheld it next day and told the king. When the king had seen it, he asked Kalika again what was to do. Kalika told him to bid the Bodhisatta make a jewel to suit the house. The king said to him, "'Wise sir, make a jewel to suit with this ivory house. I will go about looking at it by the light of the jewel. If you cannot make one, you must die.' Then Saka made him a jewel, too. Next day the Bodhisatta beheld it and told the king. When the king had seen it, he again asked Kalika what was to be done. "'Mighty king,' answered he, "'I think that there is some divinity who does each thing that the Brahmin Damadaja wishes. Now bid him make something which even a divinity cannot make. Not even a deity can make a man with all four virtues.' Therefore bid him make a keeper with these four. So the king said, Teacher, you have made a park, a lake, and a palace, and a jewel to give light. Now make me a keeper with four virtues to watch the park. If you cannot, you must die. 
So be it, answered he. If it be possible, I will see to it. He went home, had a good meal, and lay down. When he awoke in the morning, he sat upon his bed, and thought thus, What the great King Saka can make by his power, that he has made. He cannot make a park-keeper with four virtues. This being so, it is better to die forlorn in the woods than to die at the hand of other men. So, saying no word to any man, he went down from his dwelling and passed out of the city by the chief gate, and entered the woods where he sat him down beneath a tree and reflected upon the religion of the good. Saka perceived it, and in the fashion of a forester he approached the Bodhisatta, saying, Brahmin, you are young and tender. Why sit you here in this wood, as though you had never seen pain before? As he asked it, he repeated the first stanza. You look as though your life must happy be, yet the wild woods you would homeless go, like some poor wretch whose life was misery, and pine beneath this tree in lonely woe. To this the Bodhisatta made answer in the second stanza. I look as though my life must happy be, yet to the wild woods I would homeless go, like some poor wretch whose life was misery, and pined beneath this tree in lonely woe, pondering the truth that all the saints do know. Then Saka said, If so, then why, Brahman, are you sitting here? The king, he made answer, requires a park-keeper with four good qualities, such an one cannot be found. So I thought, why perish by the hand of man? I will go off to the woods and die a lonely death. So here I came, and here I sit. Then the other replied, Brahman, I am Saka, king of the gods. By me was your park made, and those other things. The park-keeper possessed of four virtues cannot be made. But in your country there is one, Chattapani, who makes ornaments for the head, and he is such a man. If a park-keeper is wanted, go and make this workman the keeper. With these words, Saka departed to his city divine, after consoling him and bidding him fear no more. The Bodhisatta went home, and having broken his fast, he repaired to the palace gates, and there in that spot he saw Chattapani. He took him by the hand and asked him, Is it true, as I hear, Chattapani, that you are endowed with the four virtues? Who told you so? asked the other. Saka, king of the gods. Why did he tell you? He recounted all and told the reason. The other said, Yes, I am endowed with the four virtues. The Bodhisatta, taking him by the hand, led him into the king's presence. Here, mighty monarch, is Chattapani, endowed with four virtues. If there is need of a keeper for the park, make him keeper. Is it true, as I hear, the king asked him, that you have four virtues? Yes, mighty king. What are they? he asked. I envy not, and drink no wine. No strong desire, no wrath is mine, said he. Chadapani, cried the king, did you say you have no envy? Yes, O king, I have no envy. What experience was it that made you to be without envy? Listen, my lord, said he, and then he told him why he felt no envy in the following lines. A chaplain once in bonds I threw, which thing a woman made me do. He built me up in holy lore, since when I never envied more. Then the king said, 
"'Dear Chattapani, what has made you to abstain from strong drink?' And the other answered in the following verse, "'Once I was drunken, and I ate my own son's flesh upon my plate. Then, touched with sorrow and with pain, swore never to touch drink again.' Then the king said, "'But what has made you be indifferent without love?' The man explained it in these words, King Kitavasa was my name, a mighty king was I. My boy a Buddha's basin broke, and so he had to die. Said the king then, What was it, good friend, that made you to be without anger? And the other made the matter clear in these lines. As a Raka for seven years I practiced charity, and then for seven ages dwelt in Brahma's heaven on high. When Chattapani had thus explained his four attributes, the king made a sign to his attendants, and in an instant all the court, priests and laymen and all, rose up and cried out upon Kalika, "'Fie, bribe-swallowing thief and scoundrel! You couldn't get your bribes, and so you would murder the wise man by speaking ill of him!' They seized him by hand and foot and bundled him out of the palace, and catching up whatever they could get hold of, this a stone and this a staff, they broke his head and did him to death, and dragging him by the feet they cast him upon a dunghill. Thenceforward the king ruled in righteousness until he passed away according to his deserts. End of section 20